This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Colby Garman and Clint Clifton. Hey, hey, welcome to the Church Planning Podcast, and uh, I'm Clint Clifton. Colby Garman's not here with me this week. He's on a well-deserved vacation, and um, this week we're going to be listening to the second half of an interview that I did with Vic Carpenter. Now, Vic Carpenter works for the FBI. He's got a really cool job, but um, the Lord's also uh, called him to be a pastor, and he's serving co-vocationally as a church planting pastor near Fredericksburg, Virginia, as well as uh, playing an important role in federal law enforcement. So I want you to hear Vic's story, the second half of Vic's story, and uh, we can learn a whole lot about about co-vocational church planting from from just this story alone. So I hope that you benefit from it, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna listen to that in just a moment after this word from our sponsor. Well, hey there, podcast listener. Why don't you do me a favor? If you've got a really cool church planting story, maybe the church plant you're involved in, or maybe a church planting story that you know from somewhere else, why don't you just pull out your smartphone and record that story, yourself telling that story in 30 seconds or less, and shoot it off to us at info at newcityplanting.org. If we like that story and we think it'll be edifying for other listeners, we will put that on the podcast. So just send it over to us at info at newcityplanting.org. So we started formulating what we were going to do as a church, and of the initial elders, you know, two of them were, uh, one of them was Paul, the man I mentioned earlier, uh, two of the others were from, from HRT and guys that were part of that class, and I amazing and then others as well always mm-hmm. seeking to bring in those from the outside as well uh, and which has been a press since we've started the church you know bringing in people that are not a part of this type of community but um so it started off as this workplace bible study and right? tell me tell us how it evolved and what it is now okay so when i felt compelled to 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 start the church and drew gave the green light for it and we started formulating from the church side how we were going to fund this thing, where it was going to go. We started with elders. I, yeah. I, I feel like from the scriptures, the, the way it should start is a, is a leadership group that's mm-hmm. got to be more than me. And so uh, six guys came on board, were willing to, as best I understood them to be qualified as elders, and mm-hmm. they agreed and wanted to start this church. And so we started with an elder group, started with sort of foundational documents, foundational direction as yeah. to what we felt like God would have us to do and try to chart a fairly clear course forward. Uh, and then it began as small groups. So we started with each of the six of us pairing up to lead three small groups. Mm-hmm. And when those, those were every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, when those groups filled up, we spread out to where we had six small groups, one elder leading each small group mm-hmm. and bringing seconds in underneath us. And then we started meeting once a month as a large group. And that mm-hmm. helped us iron out details of sound. It'd been a long time since I've been in the pulpit regularly. Yeah. And that's right. different than leading a small group. And I had to iron my own kinks out and figuring out people that were going to sit in each role that was necessary because 
as we go down the road of talking about co-vocational work, delegation of work and cultivation of people's talents is a 100% essential. You have to find the right people, call them to the work, empower them, cultivate them, and then set them loose to go and do that work. And so that whole year of 2019 is what we were doing there. And we ended up at the Lord from the beginning has been so radical in his blessing of, of what happened here mm-hmm. because we had to move up the start date because we couldn't, we had too many small groups and too many people for these monthly meetings to keep doing what we were doing. Yeah. So we moved up the start date, uh, the launch date, I should say to August of 2019. And this is another part of the Lord's blessing because the one school that sat where which was just right was the school that we had never been able to get a toe into Mm -hmm. for evangelistic efforts or service efforts. It was just always closed. And we made it a great matter of prayer. And then the Lord opened that school and gave us a a terrific uh, cooperative principle there that uh, just rolled out the carpet for us and helped us find a place for the church and help us to work the contract where we could afford being there and all of it and uh we started august 19th Mm -hmm. do you want to keep going from here yeah all right so um so we're in a middle school auditorium and um pulling all the stuff off the trailer bringing it into the school setting up the classrooms all your typical church on wheels uh type Mm -hmm. of stuff um a lot of people coming. It was just, it was such a different, pl- it was just a, it was a place that we knew the Lord was blessing the work mm-hmm. and people were zealous to do it. And people were taking up roles that they had not taken up before. Yeah. People were on the platform reading scripture. People were preaching. People were teaching. I remember the first time Justin Woodruff preached uh, there at church, which his name is going to come up here again. Yeah. And we have always been trying to bring men that we see, men and women, that we see the Lord working in their lives and, and bring them into places of ministry. I, I, forgive me, I keep saying men because I, I work in a place that's all guys. Yeah. Okay, so, but I, I will say that I think that a huge part of the success of our church was empowering and teaching, pressing for spiritually qualified men to fill the positions they should be Mm. filling in the church of preaching and teaching and leading their families unashamedly. And men coming into our church, seeing other men that love serving the Lord and are not ashamed to stand up and and read scripture or, or preach when they've never done that before, but they feel a calling to it, teaching, leading small groups and doing things that they're not used to seeing, uh, it affects people. Yeah. And I think that that is a significant part of the work that the Lord's done in our church is reviving the hearts of men to passionately want to follow after Jesus yeah. in a sacrificial way. Well, we thought we were going to be in Nye River Middle School for years. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. We had all this plan, and it was going along wonderfully. We were trying to figure out how to get out of the small auditorium to the gymnasium, and then COVID hit the world yeah. five months after we started. And we went. We never went back in that school again. We packed mm-hmm. that trailer that past Sunday, thinking we'll be back next Sunday, and yeah. that trailer never moved again. Yeah. And it was an incredible uh, example of you just you have no, no idea, idea what the future that, yeah. is going to bring and we all lived through this 
for some months I sat right at this table that I'm sitting at here with you today and you know recorded services and just did the best we could but this was another part of this growth we would never have vaulted into televised yeah. televised yeah. recorded and broadcast <laughs> sermons you became a televangelist you didn't even know <laughs> if, if not for that we would never have done it we but we did, did. I, heard, I had somebody on the podcast a long time ago during covid say um this is this was our judgment from god for making fun of televangelists for so long <laughs> <laughs> he made us all into televangelists that's right, televangelists. Yeah. That's right. Uh, i'm sorry i got you no off track. no so like everybody else, you know, we did this for a couple of months, but um, we have a bold group of people and I have to be, I have to step carefully here because mm-hmm. I, I take very seriously um, the struggles of this past year and people who have lost their lives and, mm-hmm. and the hardships of life over this past year. But I also think that America is not used to facing hard yeah. struggles and, um, we as a church, when it became somewhat clear to us as a church after about two months that the the risk of death was not at the ultra high end of the spectrum that it, we thought it was at mm-hmm. the beginning, that we had to go back and look seriously at the command to not forsake the fellowship of believers and what it meant was the was the benefit of not meeting together, did that outweigh the cost of people being isolated and the way in which we um, need each other to pray for each other, encourage each other against temptation and sin and all right. of these things. And we felt like we needed to get back together if that was at all possible. And so yeah. the way that we felt like was right before God to uh, meet the restrictions of the law to do something that was not reckless with our health, we decided to meet outside. Yeah. So we had a guy that had a big 10-acre yard with a bunch of trees, and we said, let's have church outside. And it just started this, it was not start. it was the continuation of this incredible faith journey. Because, of course, people say, well, what are you going to do when it rains? And we said, well, God controls the rain. So we're going to pray and ask God for it to not rain. And when he wants it to rain, it's going to rain. But we're going to ask him for it to not rain so that we can have church every Sunday. And it was nuts. It rained one time all summer long. Mm -hmm. It would rain before church. It would rain after church. It would rain around church. But there was only one time uh, Mm -hmm. where it... So we ended up having this incredible opportunity, This something that none of us had ever Mm -hmm. foreseen but we were the the point i think of it is that we were pressing to be together and to do what the lord would have us to do and we believed that the lord would make a way for the church if it was his will and he yeah. did and so the church doubled in size in that in that situation mm-hmm. until we got shut down by the zoning board and the sheriff who was very apologetic and very you know appreciative of what was happening but he said there's just too many people like you're gonna have yeah. to get this guy's house rezoned as a church you can't do this anymore mm-hmm. but that's where the lord opens the next door so we all started praying and a local christian businessman um opened up an old grocery store for us that had a field across mm-hmm. the way in the Spotsylvania courthouse area mm-hmm. and so we pulled up and went to this old grocery store and started renovating it as a, as a, as a church group. And there was this field and we just started putting camp chairs out in the field. And at first it was different. It seemed difficult, but it is crazy. We have now been meeting out in this field for, we're going on summer number two and we will definitely be out there next summer as well. Mm -hmm. But 
it absolutely stripped church down to its bare essentials. Yeah. Like there's no reason we have no light show. We have no smoke machine. Mm-hmm. We barely have an audio system. Um, there's just nothing here other than the work of the Lord, mm-hmm. God's spirit, his word, and the preaching of his word and the way it affects people and the way that they love each other because of a change in Jesus Christ. And um, we have seen orphans adopted, you know, people's needs radically met through sacrificial mm-hmm. generosity. The things that we wanted to see mm-hmm. that we see in the early church, we have seen. And it's just been a special and exciting story. And all along the way, the co-vocational part of it plays a big part yeah. because people, one of the, th- and again, this is a convictional issue, and I'm not saying that this is something that everyone must do, but for me, it mattered because I was very affected as a younger man reading the works of George Mueller and Francis mm-hmm. Schaeffer and uh, Whitfield and some others, and all of them believed in not collecting funds and yeah. taking their needs to the Lord and allowing the Lord to provide for those needs financially. And so um, I personally and the elder board felt that, well, it's funny, we kind of fell into it because we started early on with passing a plate, but we kept getting the, the through prayer, through worship, or something else exciting happening in the service, we would like forget to pass the plate. Yeah. And over and over and over, and then we were finally like, why are we even, let's just not. And we quit passing a plate and we have not since we've been here and now we intentionally do it because we feel like it's a stumbling block for lost people to Mm -hmm. come in and every single time they come to church you ask them for money and I I know that there are other people who disagree with that but for us that is a convictional decision that Mm -hmm. we made to take our, our needs to the Lord and something with the combination of people saying you know figuring out that this is a fully volunteer work for me, that yeah. this is not something that I'm being paid to do. Right. And no, they've been to church for five weeks and nobody's ever asked them for money. And it, right. it just, it affects people. It, yeah. has, it has radically affected people in our church. And I will say that the overall outcome of that is we have never lacked for any, not even close to have lacked for yeah. anything. We make known how to give and so on and so forth. And But um, the co-vocational coming alongside people where they're working hard and they see you working hard and they look at the needs of the church and and they say, I want to be a part of this. Like right. if he's working that hard, I, I need to be working hard too. And it does something, I don't know how to explain it, to, but yeah. to ex- inspire people, especially in that early stage where there's lots of work to be done to get after it. Imagine for just a second that um, in that conversation with Drew that you had you know, it's now two years ago or whatever, three years ago, if you have said, I'm going to resign from the FBI and plant a church full time. Uh, well, of course you don't know, but how do you think this would be different? Well, let me, let me, let me back up because he, he said something that he tried to get you to do that. (laughs) was very influential to me. He, he, you know, when we were talking about this point of, and I remember sitting right there in Cracker Barrel, yeah. you know, I don't understand how I'm going to do this, Drew. I can't, I can't quit my job and work for $30,000. Like, I, I, like, it can't happen. How are we going to do this? And he's like, mm-hmm. we'll just do them both. And he's a very hardworking person. Yeah. And 
him looking me straight in the eye and say, just do it both, which he didn't use the word co-vocational. Right. He just said, do it. Like, if this is what God calls you to do, do what God calls you to do, and he will meet the needs. And he meant it. And so I was like, okay. So that's that was the start of this idea yeah. of just, just do them both. If yeah. this is what God's called you to, you have to know what God's called you Let to do. Let me just say, for those who are listening, great pastoral leadership there from Drew. I mean, just uh, not just to fan the flame of ministry calling in one of his members' lives, but to but to have faith to believe that God could use him in the midst of his career to do that. that I mean, that, that's just not something you'd commonly see from a pastor of a, what is a mega church? I'm assuming spots was close to it. If it's not it's a large church, it's a large it's a church. Large yeah. We're called a large church. church. Sure. Yeah. 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 So man, good kudos to Drew for, for interacting with you in that way. Yeah. So that was the start of this. All right. I kind of lost our way. Where, yeah. Where, what are we so, about? I, so, I mean, we've transitioned to talking about co-vocational church planning a, yeah. a little bit before we totally go there. Uh, so the church that you planted, it's what's it called? Redeemer Bible Church. It started out as Spotswood West, yeah. and the plan was always for it to be an autonomous church. Yeah. So it was just Drew, and I agree with Drew, and as we, God willing, plant other churches, the campus model is just not something that we yeah. agree with. Uh, we believe in autonomous churches. So right. once the church was able to stand on its own two feet, both by leadership and by budget, uh, we became our own autonomous mm-hmm. church, changed the name to Redeemer Bible Church. But it was a church, I, I really want to say here, it was a church planted by church. And yeah. churches planting churches is what we see in the New Testament. And yes, we did receive uh, aid from the North American Mission Board to buy our first trailer of stuff, which mm-hmm. is part of the cooperation of churches together. And so, it, w- in my opinion, it worked. The yeah. idea of denominational cooperation and churches with a vision to plant other churches and being willing to give up strong leaders to go out the door and then develop other leaders was not an easy thing for them. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be an easy thing for us, but it was right. And it's what's made this possible. And the churches were now, Two years into it, we are almost well. From the day, from the time we first started the small groups in August, will be three years. But from the time we actually launched at Nye River, we're not yeah. even at two years. Not yet. even at two years. So in two years, in one of those years, one and a half of those years yeah. being deeply pandemic, yeah, uh, we uh, you've seen tremendous growth. You're running hundreds now. Yeah, we uh, last week we were just under four hundred. Yeah, under the tents in ninety five degree sun yeah. <laughs> in July. It's just been a work. It's a work of the Incredible. Lord. Incredible. And so you you described a field and a grocery. How do the field and grocery interact with one another? You're using the inside of the grocery store. Okay, so what happened was we had there was a grocery. So this. I'm not going to use his name. You might not want me to. So incredible Christian businessman locally, and this is this comes to when we're. We're always praying for the favor of the Lord. Lord, open a door that I can't open that shows that you're at work so that everybody will know that you're mm-hmm. at work and we can glorify the Lord together unquestionably. And this is mm-hmm. one of those things. And so we looked at real estate in the middle of COVID, like, where can we meet? There was absolutely nothing available. Right. And when I mean nothing, I mean nothing. Yeah. And so this Christian businessman had a grocery store, smaller grocery store that went out of business and they had just left the building and we're talking shelves still there lights hanging out of the ceiling like holes in the wall just a disaster and he said i can't pay to fix it up for you but i will rent it to you for my cost which was very reasonable you guys deal with it and so 
that was in the Spotsylvania Courthouse Village area, which is think of like a mixed-use commercial area where you have commercial on the ground level and four to five floors of condos above mm-hmm. it in like a large U-shaped thing with a yeah. grass quad running down the middle. It was in that right... We have four stories of people living on top of our yeah. church, which is amazing. It's just you're right in the middle of the community. And that was part of this Christian businessman's joy and passion was he wanted to see a church in the middle of this community that he was developing yeah so it was not immediately usable i mean it was it was a mess and so uh it was in the summertime and so across the way there is a a plot of land where the next four-story large condo Mm -hmm. building is going to be built well that's the field he said you're welcome to meet in that field and again this comes with cooperating with other people and praying for favor in the area you have to have a use permit to do something like that in our area well he happens to have a standing use permit and he said you can ride under my use permit as long as you want to which was another blessing so we started meeting in the field while the people of the church incredibly like all men women boys and girls like everybody diving in to tear out Mm -hmm. paint build walls and again the lord supplied every like electrician every contractor that we need almost all of it was done within the church or by a few people outside that graciously Mm -hmm. helped us but eventually we got it uh renovated by the time the winter rolled around Mm -hmm. and so we went inside and there are the series of classrooms and then like an auditorium area that will seat about 200, a little over 200. I think it's 220. So what basically, if we put 220 in there, there's nowhere to move around. Mm-hmm. So that was like maximum seating. So when we came in the fall, we were pretty much jammed. I'm trying to remember when we went to two services. I think it was after Christmas. Mm-hmm. We went to two services uh, indoors. Um, and being in two services was difficult for us. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've read a lot about guys that, you know, hey, we want one service. They're very hard on that. And I, I kind of disagreed with them and was mm-hmm. all over the place. At the end of the, the winter, we went back to one service outside. We could have kept doing two services inside, but our, our body of people longed to be so, together. So you literally have a finished church building across the way and you're meeting in the field. Correct. Outside. Because we can't So you can fit. all be the, there together. So we can have one service together. That's right. And then we use the inside of the you're building. A re- you're a renaissance man. <laughs> for, we use the inside. I don't know one other pastor in the world that would do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a people that love to be together and, yeah, and love each true. other. And we had the big banner that we have in our church of Scripture is, is where it says in John, that they will know, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. Yeah. And that is, you cannot be overestimated. Like we must love each other in Christ. And so we use the inside of the building, the auditorium, and then the various classrooms that are around it uh, for children's ministry and for adult small groups. And so during, like right now, we have service at 930 because we, we shift the service too. In the summertime, it moves up to get out of the heat as much as we can. In the mm-hmm. winter, we'll move it back to 1130 when it gets cold. And do you have, you have like one big tent? No, we have these um, like 40-foot like sails, basically. That, yeah. Again, if one of the men in our church is just a... So it just provides some shade. Yeah, they, they, it's, a, it's a series of, of shades that are yeah. very large that yeah. are put in posts in the ground. Yeah. And every week they roll the, the truck out there and put these posts into their holders in the ground and connect these tents up. But then it looks like a flea market because people bring yeah. their own pop-up tents and they're all set up around it and right. it just looks like 
it, it looks like a flea market, yeah. but um, it is what it is. That's that's a great story. That's a great story. Uh, so you guys are multiplying. You're preparing to multiply right now. Yes. Um, so uh, to, to give us the, the skinny on how you're going to multiply this church. So the, just, again, a recap of the dichotomy that is your life in your church. It is that you set off on this very professional ministry route that sort of crumbled. So 15 years ago, you had a, uh, a building but no church. And today you have a church, but no building. And somehow, <laughs> the, somehow, somehow the FBI was in there and, and did that transition. Uh, God used the FBI to do that transition. So you're, you're still today, you're still a full-time, still full-time yes. work for the FBI. Yes. And you have another brother in your church who works full-time for the FBI and he's getting ready to go plant a church. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this this goes back to the co-vocational thing mm-hmm. because the only way that it works is by constantly bringing other people in to, to work with you. Mm-hmm. And it becomes almost your full-time job of orchestrating what other people are doing and trying to strength, find, identify their abilities and skills and their spiritual giftedness and then strengthening that, encouraging them, putting them to work. And so... Uh, we had this just incredible group of people, incredible group of men and women that were just talented and, and, and loved the Lord in a passionate way. And putting mm-hmm. these people to work as, as quickly as possible to, to serve. And um, what ended up happening is, I mean, I definitely needed a break on the pulpit. Yeah. And so I started asking other guys to come in. And it just became obvious to me that there were three or four people, three or four guys in the church that were capable of filling the pulpit. Right. And so started asking them to fill the pulpit uh, approximately once a month because I, I realized that after not asking anybody to do that and just getting crushed by the work and saying, this is, this is, this is the joy of this has gone out and I'm not doing this. Like we're changing mm-hmm. this right now. And so they started preaching and it just ended up being amazing because it was, it became less and less and less of a personality driven yeah. situation and less and less about me and which is what has to happen and yeah. we must decrease that christ might increase mm-hmm. and so by having various uh men up in that pulpit that had different styles different ways of communicating but were all passionate about the lord um, it just demonstrated really what an elder group is supposed mm-hmm. to be in my opinion and so anyway um, I don't want to use his name because he hasn't. I haven't really asked him if I should use his name yeah. yet. But he's uh, he filled the pulpit and and st- and but they were driving. He and a large group of people were driving an hour to come to church every, and are still driving and and have been doing this from the beginning. An hour to come down here, and I from the beginning. I mean from the very beginning. I know that's not possible because again this goes back to that pivotal important time at First Baptist Durham because yeah. I was living in Wake Forest and we were driving from Wake Forest all the way to Durham to go to yeah. First Baptist and as much as I loved that church it was untenable to drive yeah. an hour for a very long period of time so right. we have had a long-term site set on planting a church in the area where these families are really from the very beginning yeah. but it has taken and I think this is another lesson learned it's taken a year or more for some of these key leaders to form up that calling in their yeah. mind that this is truly what the Lord would have us to do. Right. And that's really starting to come into focus now. And uh, because it's not just about you, it's about your wife, it's yeah. about your children, and everybody's got to be on board with it. Yeah. And if they're not, you got to keep praying until the Lord changes yeah. everybody's heart and everybody can joyfully jump on board with this, with this yeah. strain. And 
So those men serve, continue to serve. Now we, we have not launched it yet, but God willing, sometime next year yeah. will. And it will be a church, planting a church. And it looks like Spotswood is going to participate in that some other way. A grandchild from That's that great. church, which is super exciting. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, to look at giving, you're not really giving them up, you're sending them out, but, yeah. but you are losing certain yeah. key leaders and resources. But it is such a journey of faith to see how the Lord keeps supplying and keeps raising up. And I don't know, man, it's just been incredibly encouraging. It is. Yeah, that is encouraging. Well, let's take the last couple minutes to talk about. So tell me, uh, imagine that we're talking to somebody who's in a career, deep, mm-hmm. deeply entrenched in a career, but is sensing God calling them to, to take action on forming a church. Um, uh, give, give advice to the person that was where you were three years ago. Okay. Uh, when we come to the, the calling issue, you, duty is not enough of a reason to do something. You, mm-hmm. you must feel more than a sense of duty. There must be a great longing and passion to mm-hmm. do it. And I'm not saying that you should avoid it because of that. I'm saying that you should keep praying about it and keep refining the reason why you feel called mm-hmm. to do it. Because why Drew pressed me on that so much is things will get difficult quickly. Yeah. And when they get difficult, you cannot question why you are there. Mm-hmm. Like you have to know for sure why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you're certain about it, um, then you'll be able to withstand that. And, and you, you will not waver in what you're doing. And in fact, you'll be able to ride through it because the Lord will give you the strength to do it. So affirm and clarify why you are doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you're not there yet, keep pressing for it. Keep yeah. seeking advice. There's, man, the proverb, there's wisdom of many counselors. That yeah. is an absolutely 100% true statement. Mm-hmm. So keep getting counsel from, from people that you trust and you know are godly people. So mm-hmm. that's a big one. Um, when you come to the point of knowing that it is definitely time to, to go and to get after it, um, I just... the the church is planting churches thing is a big deal. I don't know where they may be coming from or not, but if it is possible to have the blessing of the church that yeah. you're in going out, I think you should seek it. Mm-hmm. It's there's great joy and other people praying for you. Mm-hmm. It gives people, they get to participate in your ministry and encourage you and try to have the blessing of the church that you are a part mm-hmm. of sending you out. I think that's, that's very important. Um, when you're looking at the co-vocational part of it specifically, um, you're going to have to, your family's going to be involved with this, whether you yeah. like it or not. And so for me, all my, almost all my kids were teenagers at this point in time. Yeah. So literally, we took a vote at the table. Mm-hmm. Like, guys, this is what I feel led to do, but I can't do this together. So mm-hmm. here's the option. Here's what's on the table, and I need you to go pray about it. And we did, took some time, and then we came back, and I, I need everybody to cast a vote here. Like, mm-hmm. are we doing this or are we not doing this? And every single one of my kids said, yeah, let's do this. And I, I cannot tell you what an incredible excuse me, thing that yeah. that was to have teenage boys say, yeah, let's go plant a church. Let's leave all of our friends behind and go plant a church. Yeah. That's a work of the Lord. And yeah. we have seen radical spiritual growth in our children because of that instead of it crushing them it has been in a very formative period of their life they have seen the lord at work in a powerfully visible way 
and it has affected all of them. Yeah. I, I, as a person who planted with my kids, my kids went through that whole process with me. Um, I can say that I think one of the best things I ever did for their spiritual lives was plant a church mm-hmm. while they were in my house because mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I, all of them are walking with the Lord and, and I, I think it has a ton to do with the fact that they saw me laboring to bring the gospel to a community that didn't have one, bind together with friends to figure out how to impart the message of the gospel to people in my yeah. community. Imagine what if you just stayed at church one, you know, what, what your kids would have watched you struggle through. They watched you fighting with old grumpy Christians and their, their, their perspective on the Christian life would be tainted by that. There's no way to, so For I mean, sure. I just think there's, there's so people are, church planters are often worried about the effects church planting will have on their kids and pastors are not worried enough about the effects that pastoring will have on their kids. And I'm here to tell you that in my observation, commonly church planting kids follow Jesus mm. and commonly pastors of established traditional churches that are, go through a myriad of struggles while they do that, their, their kids struggle to, in their faith. Um, mm. So I don't know if there's a correlation there, but this sure seems like there is. <laughs> so. I don't know exactly how it fits into this, but I, there's two other things I'd really like to say yeah. about the whole like co-vocational Thing. Mm-hmm. So in John 4, there is a passage where Jesus is dealing with the, the woman at the well. And the disciples go away into town to get food, and they've been on the road for a long time. He's tired, they're tired, they're all tired. And he's talking with this woman and is seeking her soul, seeking her salvation. She comes to salvation, runs into town. They come back out with the food. Hey, Jesus, we got, we got, we got lunch for you. We're ready to eat. And he says this. He says... Um, They say, Rabbi, eat, verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That verse has become powerfully important to me. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? It means that there is something sustaining and nourishing to Jesus about doing God's will, about accomplishing the will of God, doing mm. and accomplishing God's will. Yeah, that's powerful. I think that we, this goes back to the calling thing. Does God want me to be doing this? Yes, this is what God wants me to be doing with my life. Mm-hmm. And when you are in the midst of doing what God wants you to do with your life, it will strengthen and energize you. It will not wear you out yeah. and destroy you. It will That's... become the nourishing thing that you long for more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I think this is also the, the answer to how we go from co-vocational to full-time when it becomes the, the master passion of your life. And mm-hmm. it's not just, I need a job, I need to make some more money. I already make money over here. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes unsustainable that the Lord has grown the work to the point where I must give all my time to do this, then you can set the other thing down and mm-hmm. keep going. But it is, it must be with all, there's a lot of church planting stuff out there. And I know you write some of this stuff. I do. And there's good stuff there, but there's also garbage out there. There's stuff that reads like opening a mattress store, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. And opening a church, starting a church is not like starting a business. Mm -hmm. There is a business aspect to it, but it is far secondary 
to what is spiritually going on. Mm -hmm. And I just encourage you, if you are seeking to plant a church and you feel that call of the Lord, that yes, that is a right and a good call, and you should cultivate that, and you should Mm -hmm. seek after it, and you should drive towards it. And you've got to come to a place where doing the work of ministry is not a drag for you. It's a joy. And I know there involves proper rest and all Mm -hmm. these other things in there. And you've got to, that's part of organization, Mm -hmm. which is central to being able to function Mm co-vocationally. But when you have proper rest, like doing the work of the ministry is not going to destroy you and it's not going to destroy your kids. It's going to become the great joy of your life, seeing people come to salvation, baptizing people, discipling people, praying for people in sickness and in hardship. Uh, It's going to be a beautiful thing that nourishes yeah. your soul in line with that. What are earlier? We're having lunch together. You tell me a couple things in your life that are, that are practices, daily practices that are helping to keep you sustained. Mm. Um, what are some of those? So I, I have to be, you, you have to take hold of your day organizationally. Mm. And so I, I am a very organized person. It runs different day to day. But always the hallmarks are mm. being in the scriptures and spending time of some sort uh, with my family. And mm. so you've got to be in the scriptures. It's mm. got to be a quiet enough time. As you can see here I have three phones, which is <laughs> real exciting. Um, <laughs> and it is an incredible distraction. But you have, to, you have to fight to make time to have a quiet heart to be near the Lord. It is not enough to strategize and, um, I don't know, all the stuff that can creep up. What you've got to get used to is you will never get everything done in the day. When you can go to sleep at peace at night knowing that nine out of ten things in your to-do list today did not get done, and that's okay because you did what you could do, but you did the things in order that needed to be done, and you prioritized what needed to be done, and you spent time with the Lord in His Word. You heard from Him. You strove to, to go and do His will in that day. You connected with the people that matter in your life and had real conversations with them, and we prayed together. We tried to do what the Lord would have us to do today. Mm-hmm. The Lord's the one who gave us a 24-hour day, and He's the one that made us to need sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And He does not expect you. It's His church. He will build His church. He does not expect you to do more than is possible to do in any one day. Yeah. So, um, you know, my wife and I try every single week to go out on a date mm-hmm. still, and that's that's pretty much the norm. We miss it sometimes, but most yeah. of the time, we are out on a date with each other every single week. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really important. Yeah. So these are these are just these are fundamental basics. Everybody yeah. will tell you, but you just have to do it. Yeah. You mentioned me physical exercise when we were talking. Yeah, exercise. Exercise is a huge part of my own life. It just comes from the past, um, just where I, where I've been yeah. and the jobs that I've done. Yeah. And so I try to always make time for exercise. It yeah. just it physically revitalizes me and um, helps me to think clearly. Often mm-hmm. while I'm running. Yeah. Get some great ideas while you're running. Yes, yeah. things just come to me. I have a trail behind my house that I run all the time, and it's like a, it's become like this sacred place because yeah. I just it just seems great like revelation the Lord speaks yes. to me back there. But yeah, so yeah. important stuff. Well, Vic, thanks for having this conversation with me. It's been really great to get to know you and hear a little bit more of your story. I'm so excited about the way the Lord's working in the church, and I think this conversation is going to be really meaningful and helpful to lots of folks who are out there trying to both um, do a regular job and do ministry. Yeah. I feel like it, it is important to say as we come to the end of this thing, there's been a lot of talk about about me. And 
I did not build this church, and I, it's it's very important that I emphatically emphasize that this is a work of the Lord, mm-hmm. that it is His church, and that it is the the seeking of the Lord and the prayerfulness of people and the provision of the Lord and the guidance of the Lord that has made this possible. And I just feel greatly privileged to have the opportunity to be a part of it. And, you know, all the strategizing and the organization and all these things, these are all important. They are tools. But those tools, it's like a, a pneumatic tool with no air compressor. Right. Like you, you, God, you must deeply be on your knees and seeking mm-hmm. the Lord in order to see what He's going to do and continually try to put yourself in a place of need so that He can then meet that need yeah. and glorify Himself. And people see it. Yeah. And when people say, hey, this church is alive, what they mean by that is they can see the Lord at work. Yeah, and that's I just feel like it's important to say that and give glory yeah, to God. I'm, for I'm glad happening. you said that. Um, however, just so you know, that's so abundantly clear in your story. It's it's not it's not because what I get from your whole story is that you exhausted yourself trying, mm-hmm. and then once you in essence gave up, the Lord did came and did something you never expected. That's right. And so uh, yeah, right. it's it's real clear that this isn't because of you and your your expertise. Um, you gave up on on ministry. Remember. remember. <laughs> You didn't exactly give up, but That's right. I, I know what you mean. But but it's it is clear that the Lord um, did a very unique thing, and it's so cool to hear. But I'm I'm glad you recognize that too, and feel compelled to um, point point that out to all of us. <laughs> I don't know how you do this, but if if people are welcome to contact me, if I yeah. can help them and answer questions or pray through it or whatever, I'd be glad to do that. Yeah, we'll put some contact information in the show notes. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Josh Taransky produced today's show. Nick Bashane was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last... But not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. If you'd like more information about our show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so be sure to check us out on the social. And tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.